This is ARN, the Advanced Radio Network. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Coming to you from the Dexcom G6 studios, make knowledge your superpower for managing diabetes. I know you hear me say that a lot, but it's true. Visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M. Dot com And you're tuned into tomorrow for the weekend of Friday, May 20th, 2022. It is our 27th year on the air. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And, of course, our normal reminder, it's always important for you to remember to back up your important data and maybe save a copy. Not maybe. You should save a copy off-premise. If you've got a relative somewhere in town where you can put a flash drive on their kitchen cabinet somewhere safe, for just, again, your important data. Now, that could be, of course, banking info. So you're going to password protect it anyway, right? It could be uh, some important documents. It could be pictures and videos of the kids or the grandkids. and Anything important that you don't want to lose or miss should some catastrophic thing happen with your computer. That's why we remind you to back up your important data. And what's the other important reminder every week? Check your spam filters. There you go. You never know who could be stuck in your spam filter. And you'll be surprised. You're going to find out that, oh, my gosh, I told the boss I never got that email. It's because it's right there in spam. So check it and whitelist it or whatever your email program does. I had uh, an attorney friend the other day that said, I found one of your emails in my spam. I don't know how that happened, but you are now preferred. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know what uh, program he uses, but apparently there's an option for preferred. Well, I've whitelisted you. Oh, well, that's good. And you're not so, being racist or no. anything. No, okay, <laughs> I've been whitelisted. Um, but I thought it was very clever, and I replied with, well, thank you. I'm thrilled to now be preferred. I don't know whether that meant as a preferred client or what, but mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, I figured either that of being an attorney, I'll get him to sue whoever's putting us in spam. There you go. Yeah. He'll work on that, too. So that's why it's important. Check your spam filters, not just for any email from graveline.com or into tomorrow, but from your friends, your family, your relatives that you don't want in spam. We understand there are probably some you want to keep in spam. That's okay. (laughs) That happens, right? Family issues and whatnot. But otherwise, it's important to kind of keep that sort of thing in mind. Oh, you know, there was a, a tool created by a software company called SparkToro that found that almost half of President Biden's 22.2 million Twitter followers were fake spam bots. Huh. Hmm. And they're voting on Twitter. (laughs) Interesting, though. I mean, there's a lot of spam bots out there. We know that, talking about spam and so forth. But especially for celebrities, some political figures, that sort of thing. But if you have or you're claiming to have 22 million followers and half of them are spam bots, there's something wrong with that picture. And you wonder why Elon Musk is holding up his 
purchase of them because their stock is plummeting, and that's one of the reasons. It's like you don't have legitimate users. Uh-huh. Of course, you know, some people will say that, you know, he's doing this on purpose, and maybe he put the spam bots there to lower the price for, for Twitter. But you know. Yeah, but he didn't suddenly have $22 <laughs> yeah. million. I mean, he's yeah. grown that apparently since pre-voting, and you know, pre-election. So I could I could see the argument if somebody said that, you know, somehow or other they put a bunch of spam bots, someone did, you know, into Biden's account. But this, again, that would have only been if it was the last couple of weeks when he's trying to drive the price down, not for the last year and a half. Well, it seems like every, you know, every week we do a show, we have, there's more like Twitter news. So we'll have to wait and see what happens by next week. <laughs> yes. Because this, this Twitter saga continues. <laughs> yep. And of course, we talked about Elon. So he stoked speculation that he could seek to renegotiate his takeover of Twitter, saying a viable deal at a lower price wouldn't be, quote, out of the question, unquote. At a conference here in Miami, as a matter of fact, Musk said you can't pay the same price for something that is much worse than they claimed. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Musk, who on Friday said his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter was on hold, pending information on those spam accounts, said that he suspects they make up at least 20% of users, or in this case, 50% of the president's (laughs) users, compared to Twitter's official estimates of only about 5%. Now, I don't have his money by any means, <laughs> by a long shot. You might even say a space long shot. But if I were to buy something that you want to sell me and suddenly over a couple of weeks it becomes considerably less valuable, you would not be surprised if I wanted to negotiate the price. Exactly. Well, that's what's happening there. Of course, Twitter CEO Parag Agarwal attempted to explain how the platform deals with spam accounts. But Musk didn't give a crap. And I say that because he did send a tweet with the poop emoji. <laughs> I mean, you got to love this back and forth. And I'm loving following Elon because he's saying some bizarre things, but some pretty interesting things, too. Twitter shares closed Monday just over 8% at $37.39, below where the stock was just before Musk disclosed that he was Twitter's largest shareholder. Of course, Musk made the offer to buy Twitter for $54.20 per share on April 14th. And right now, or at least this past week, it was only worth $37. Of course, more changes by the time you might even hear this, so stay tuned. Yeah, he'll probably end up with it at like $13 a share. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. And and now, of course, there was also discussion about Twitter's board wanting to sue him for reneging already on the deal. <laughs> But again, it's like, but you're considerably worth less than when I first made the offer. And your folks are either lying or worse, don't know that you have 20% or more spam bots and telling us it's only 5%. So I'm buying something worth considerably less. So we have to see how that goes. Elon being the richest person on the planet I'm sure can afford a whole bevy of attorneys to say nonsense and another poop emoji and hopefully get the price down. I just think it's funny that Elon is having a a war with Twitter on Twitter. Yes, of course. (laughs) Good point. Because we always talk about, you bring up frequently how, you know, when Facebook or Instagram has a problem, they report it on Twitter (laughs) because, of course, their own systems are down. Well, here, Elon is having this war on Twitter. 
And I'm surprised they haven't banned him. I, I was just thinking the same thing. You haven't <laughs> heard them screaming uh, that he's spreading the, the misinformation. Yeah. So there must be a reason for that. Maybe it's not misinformation. Well, how about the Department of Homeland Security just this past week saying they're taking a pause on the uh, the, the truth czar, mm-hmm. the, the office of disinformation? Gee, do you think maybe that was appropriate? Mm-hmm. Not to even have that to begin with? Yeah. Stifling free speech? Yeah. Interesting. So you're tired of all those uh, spam calls that you get on your phone, speaking yeah. of spam? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, now you might be able to feel the power of being on the other end of an unwanted call, all while tying up the phone lines of Russian bureaucrats, media, and military personnel. Oh. Wednesday morning, a group of hacktivists from across the world released the site WasteRussianTime.today. No, wait. You called them hacktivists? Yes. Okay. Got it. <laughs> got it. Uh, a simple click and captcha tests uh, supposedly will connect two phone lines to confuse, distract, and annoy those on the, on the line. The hacktivists claim they have used publicly leaked data as well as web scraping to come up with over 5,000 government phone numbers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> during, during morning traffic, the site claimed that over 3,000 phone numbers were being called at one particular moment. Uh, the system doesn't wholly depend on users calling, as the human-initiated calls are also supplemented with the help of bots, according well, to the website. And now they're not, and they're not necessarily all their cellular phones either, right? right. Or are they yeah. cell? No, just any oh, any, any government, government number. You know, government, media, and military personnel. And they're basically, you know, connecting two of them together without each of their knowledge, and it's yeah. confusing everybody. You called me? No, you called me. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I not that I would encourage that, but go get them. Yeah. Love it. That's pretty bizarre. Well, and they're and this, hacktivists. Yes. And the site, uh, you know, just in case you want to look it up, wasterussiantime.today. Oh, okay. <laughs> wasterussiantime.today. Yes. All right. Because today is a domain. Exactly. Oh, very cool. Check it out. If anybody has done that, uh, let us know how it worked for you and what do you think. Uh, for that matter, how do you feel about others doing it anyway? I think it's just pretty clever to get two people together, and then it's up to them. Yeah. No, I, I didn't call you. You called me. No, no, you called me. No, no. <laughs> now I think we have to have somebody you know, here in the U.S. get the numbers for all these telemarketers so that we can then do a similar thing here. Oh, with, man. i I got to say, when I'm seeing on Instagram and TikTok and, and these other anti-social media sites where someone is able to get in to the spam callers' computers, I think it's amazing. Because they actually can take over their phone, their phone system, their computer, and then they have a little fun with them. I don't think it makes them stop what they're doing, but no. it sure is interesting to watch and listen to them panic at the other end. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pretty wild. Oh, attention all iPhoneies. It sounds like the Apple Lightning Cables days are numbered. After almost a decade in service, that according to analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, the company is already preparing to add USB-C support to iPhones next year. It's about time. I know. Even as an iPhone-y, I'll I'll admit that it's about time. Exactly. So if true, according to Tom's guide, this would be a very big deal. It's been more than 10 years since the phone industry moved towards a standardized charging port. First, of course, micro USB and later USB-C. The iPhone, on the other hand, has always had a proprietary Apple connector, most notably the lightning connector that I referred to, which launched with the iPhone 5 way back in late 2012. So stubborn Apple is hopefully, finally, 
giving in. Well, and I knew it wasn't going to be long because they've already been moved a lot of the iPads to USB-C cables. Yeah. So, but you know, now you can no longer have to ask somebody, "Hey, do you have an iPhone cable so I can charge my phone?" It's just, "Hey, do you have a charging cable?" Yeah. Because iPhones and Androids will finally have the same charging cable. And of course, you know, around my house and around the studios, it's all Android stuff. So Cameron's here the other day, and he says, um, "Can can we get your iPhone cable out of the car? I keep a spare one in the back seat for him because his mother." stupidly bought him an iPhone, uh, <laughs> so he can plug in his iPhone because there's a USB port right there in the back where he sits. So I actually, don't tell anyone, but I actually bought an Apple Lightning cable a while back. I, I made sure to look over my shoulders. Nobody saw me. But I bought it, and I it quickly put it just in the back seat, in the little seat pocket, only for Cameron. So yeah, he had to go out and and get that because it was standard USB at the other end, but he needed the lightning cable. And I said, your mother should have got you a, a nice Android phone. No. No. I didn't think you'd no. agree. No. no. So Marriott International, Inc. is introducing a media network this month with Yahoo. They still around? Yeah, Apparently. I guess. Well, that will help advertisers target consumers in part by using the hotel chain's data on its own guests to bring them ads on places such as the hotel's websites and on the TV sets in their rooms. So great. No more hotel privacy. Don't stay at Marriott. Yeah. <laughs> stay elsewhere that hasn't done this yet or isn't doing it yet. Well, it was like I was complaining the other day about – well, I'm always complaining. So yeah, about you are. Something. That's true. But this particular day, I was complaining about my uh, Amazon Echo Show that I have in my living room. You know, I spent like $150 on this device, and Amazon has now started putting promos for their for their shows and ads. And I'm thinking – You mean just randomly as yeah. you walk I mean, in your living room? One of the room reasons or? I bought the one with the screen is when yeah. you're not using it, it acts as like a digital photo frame. So it was rotating through all my pictures, which was nice to see. You know, yeah. Now I've got to see my pictures and then you know the weather, which is okay. I don't mind seeing the weather. But then i got to see – promos for this upcoming show and it was putting up a thing for some show on cbs or uh, paramount plus i'm like yikes and i haven't found any option to turn that kind of stuff off so it's like you know i paid full price for your device don't give me advertising well see maybe my own home maybe some of our listeners know how to turn that off they should call and ask dave <laughs> only tell turn off every every uh tell Chris. every home screen content that i could but there are yeah. some things that doesn't let you turn off now are there are they just promos for shows they're involved with or are there an actual advertising well one was 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 a promo well it had to have been advertising because it was for a show on paramount plus oh which yeah. isn't prime yeah that's true that's not prime and, and it was amazon doesn't watch. It was own ghosts that. or something really yeah oh wow wow interesting like, don't put advertising in my living room yeah i know if you want to put then give me a free device then I'll then I'll accept the advertising in my living room. But I paid you one hundred fifty dollars for that Echo Show. Don't make me watch ads on it. Darn it! Yeah, do not make you watch ads on that thing. Samuel in Jackson, Tennessee, listens online and is participating with the free. We love you for it. Into Tomorrow app. Hey, Samuel. I have a question regarding my outside security cameras. I can view them inside of my mobile app on my smartphone but i was wondering if there's a way that i can somehow view them on my laptop at home i can't find any information from the manufacturer thank you you guys are great keep up the good work well thank you for the kind words samuel unfortunately we won't be able to tell you without knowing the make and model 
of your cameras? The real answer is that any camera that can broadcast to an app generally has the capability to broadcast to a browser, and that's most likely how it was tested during development. But whether that ability is exposed to the end user, well, that's another matter altogether. Yeah, some manufacturers send all their data straight to their servers with no options to reach the local network to make it easier for an end user to access the cameras from anywhere. Others do it to be able to charge a subscription fee and make them available anywhere. Um, Of those, some only provide an app. Others will allow you to log into their website to also see the camera. And there are others that will allow you to play back the video on your home network without requiring it to go out anywhere else. Those can typically be played easily on a laptop but require more of a setup on mobile apps. Think setting up servers and ports and port forwarding rather than just logging in. Yeah, so depending on which cameras you bought, the manufacturer may fall into any of those categories. So without knowing more, we won't really be able to tell you if you can access your cameras from a laptop, but the manufacturer isn't advertising the feature, so odds are that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Now, it depends, again, on what kind of cameras you have. We've got some around here that we test. Uh, EasyViz allows us to show, to display it on the phone and and also on a browser, uh, Real Link, which is one of my favorite cameras because it follows motion outside, um, can also be viewed on a browser or the app. So those are handy. Uh, some, of course, ring cameras, yeah. as, as much as they suck, can also be viewed on a browser. Yeah, they don't really advertise that much, but yeah. Yeah, you can go to ring.com and log in and see your cameras. Yeah. So again, Samuel, let us know what kinds of cameras you're talking about, and we'll do a little more digging for you and try to help you out. Meantime, join us at your leisure at intotomorrow.com. LifeCare provides valuable whole life insurance to cover final expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debt. A final expense insurance policy is fast, easy, affordable life insurance that's available to anyone between the ages of 50 and 80. No medical exams, no lengthy questionnaires, and no waiting period. The application process is quick and easy. You can even apply without having to undergo a medical examination. Just answer a few questions and we'll do the rest. With the average funeral cost skyrocketing to $11,000 and Social Security only paying $255, you need simple, affordable peace of mind for you and your whole family. Don't leave behind unpaid expenses, expenses that, if left unattended, will burden your family tremendously. Benefits include a guaranteed premium that will never increase, a guaranteed cash value, and a guaranteed death benefit that can never decrease. To find out how you can get final expense insurance with a guaranteed lifetime rate log, call LifeCare at Of course, the radio show, tech news, videos, podcasts, it's all free with the Into Tomorrow app, which we hope you snag from your favorite app store. Just search those two words, Into Tomorrow, and tap our app. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet. Enjoy more of everything the Internet has to offer. Text RADIO to 35000 to get more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. Coming up in a few minutes, you'll hear from Justina Nixon. She's the VP and Global Head of Corporate 
social responsibility with IBM. She's going to talk to us about their no-cost STEM job training that they offer to U.S. military veterans and neurodivergent learners worldwide, as well as university students from underrepresented communities in the U.S. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You want to check out that interview. I had a nice time talking with Justina, and we'll have it as Chris said, in a couple of minutes. How much time do you spend in front of your computer screen? Well, it's probably time to take a break. With this week's Into Tomorrow wellness tip brought to you by Human Touch, here's Victoria Ladock. Thanks, Dave. Eyes become easily strained when you're constantly focused on your computer screen. Resting your eyes alleviates the hard work they perform. Follow the 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, take a break for approximately 20 seconds and look at an object at least 20 feet away. Looking at objects in the distance reduces eye muscle tension and lowers your risk of eye strain. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Victoria Ladock. Back to you, Dave. Thank you so much, Victoria. You know, you would think 20 seconds isn't a long time, and it's not, but it will help. So do follow her advice. The Into Tomorrow wellness tip is brought to you by Human Touch. How can a massage chair change your life Oh, we can tell you it absolutely can. Visit humantouch.com to find out. And while you're at it, be sure to hit us up for all three hours of the broadcast. Sign up for the podcast, everything else at intotomorrow.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. This in our 27th year on the air covering the latest in consumer tech. And, of course, that includes products and services and gadgets and gizmos and all sorts of cool things available today and into tomorrow. The show is much more important when you, our audience, participates. So we always encourage you to do that. And you can do it anytime at your convenience, 24-7. You can ask a question, make a comment, help another listener, share some tech rage, whatever the case, and again, at your leisure. And there's three easy ways to do it. Number one, you can call the 800 number. It's toll-free from anywhere in North America, and that's 800-899-INTO. That's 800-899-4686. Or you could use the free Into Tomorrow app available in your favorite app store. Just search those two words, Into Tomorrow. 
snag the app, and then tap the app and participate that way. There's a little message to studio button. Or these days, a lot of folks are taking advantage of a new way. You can just hit the Ask Dave microphone on the right-hand side of your browser on any device with a browser and a microphone. So your laptop, your desktop, your smartphone, your tablet, your whatever the case, if it's got a browser and a microphone, you can join us that way at intotomorrow.com. Very easy, and we'd love to hear from you, not just because we send you prizes when you participate, but that's a good reason, too. IBM announced education initiatives with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, a Special Eastern Foundation, and six historically black colleges and universities to provide no-cost STEM job training. Something we talk about on the show all the time is STEM. To U.S. military veterans and neurodivergent learners worldwide, as well as university students from underrepresented communities around the U.S. Vice President and Global Head for Corporate Social Responsibility with IBM is Justina Nixon. Justina, welcome back into tomorrow. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me, Dave. Oh, it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you because you're always coming up with very unique things and folks uh, that are being helped literally worldwide while you being the global head of corporate social responsibility. It's no wonder it's a global kind of thing. But can you start off by describing specifically what IBM is doing with each of these partners that I mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, late last year, IBM made a commitment to skill 30 million people by 2030. And we are really excited to partner with the Department of Veterans Affairs, with the six HBCUs and with Special Eastern Foundation to really provide the technical skills that their learners need to be successful um, you know, in a meaningful job. Um, this is really around our focus on um, underrepresented groups, especially in tech, and making sure we're also filling that gap, right? That gap of talent that's needed, especially in fields such as cybersecurity and data analytics, uh-huh. and making sure we can fill that gap. Well, and of course, as you well know, all these years we cover tech, so that gets our attention right away. And I think it's terrific that you're really zeroing in on how tech can make a difference and teaching the tech that's necessary. So how is it then that each partnership can help address those education disparities, and especially when we talk about STEM skills? Yeah, absolutely. So with the Department of Veterans Affairs, we're working with military veterans, right? Those who are transitioning service members and they're seeking job training and credentials so they could pursue a career after completing their military service. Uh So we're working with them on a customized suite of learning modules that they can actually um, participate in and make sure they get badges, credentials that are IBM branded that they can use when they're applying for jobs. And it's really not just the very technical parts of the training, but it's also the workplace learning skills. That's a really big part of what we offer as well. And then with the historically black colleges and universities, the same thing. We're providing a very customized IBM security learning portal with courses that are really designed to enhance the cybersecurity portfolio at those universities. And then we're gonna give them access to mentors, to coaches, um, really give them access to experimental learning, 
again, to help them get prepared for those tech jobs that are going to just be increasing and increasing over the next few years. And then with Specialist Stern, which is one that I'm really excited about, is really focusing on people on the autism spectrum. So think about people um, who have ADHD or OCD or dyslexia. Really, they've been left out of a lot of these tech jobs as well. How do we make sure that we provide the right support, the right training, and again, connect them to the right jobs so that they could be successful? Oh, that's terrific. And kudos to you guys at IBM for making these initiatives work and help so many people. I think that's terrific. And, of course, because we have a, a scaled-down version of our three-hour show, a, a one-hour version, also airs on the American Armed Forces Networks. So we're making sure, I'm, I'm making sure everybody in our control room knows this interview needs to be included because you're helping so many U.S. military veterans as well, as you mentioned, those transitioning. So a lot of folks listening around the world, especially on the Armed Forces Networks now, uh, should be able to know what you guys are doing and how they can benefit from your free resources from IBM. Oh, that would be wonderful. Uh, Absolutely. And again, you know, cybersecurity is a big focus of ours, but we also provide training in artificial intelligence, um, you know, in, in data analytics as well. And again, these are the jobs, right, of Mm -hmm. the future, but they're also the jobs that are in the most demand today. So we want to make sure that the people we train, the people we skill through our partnerships and our programs have the opportunity to take that training and really be able to get employment, because that's really the impact that we want to have. And and, uh, Justina, what about listeners that perhaps don't want to focus just on technical training? Is there perhaps also some value in learning about professional workplace skills? Do you guys help with that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have workplace learning um, training as well. And in some cases, sometimes that's even more critical, right? It's more important because you can get those technical skills, but if you don't understand how to collaborate, how to present your work, um, you know, how you increase your creativity and so forth in the workplace, then it gets more difficult to advance. So we provide not just the technical skills, but the workplace learning skills um, through our IBM Skills Build program. Oh, terrific. And as much as uh, covering tech all these years, we don't want to believe that not everyone's interested in tech per se, but sometimes it's not just a tech angle. And in the case of what you're describing, you're helping them with these other very necessary skills as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, critical skills, um, you know, for success in the workplace. Yeah. And of course, now the initiative you've described include all kinds of IBM certifications, which is very important. I mean, not only does it look great on a resume, but there are companies out there all around the world, of course, that are looking for various certifications. What are the kinds of things that you think might be the most popular that you're already helping to teach these veterans and others? Yeah, the most popular right now is cybersecurity. I mean, when you think about the safety of our country, safety of businesses, um, you know, safety really of of, of the world, yes. <laughs> you know, cybersecurity is the number one area where we are seeing significant demand. There are a lot of jobs that are open right now, and they're looking for people who understand this space, who understand and have the skills to be able to move into an entry-level job, for example, in cybersecurity. But even those who already have a technical job, and it may not be around this topic, this actually gives them an additional benefit, right? Something else that they could add to their resume to be able to understand what cybersecurity means for their company 
um, but also as a potential opportunity in the future as they continue to upskill themselves, right, in new technical roles. Yeah. Because we feel like this is one that's going to continue to wrap up significantly. And again, all the data has pointed to the fact that there are significant open roles in, in this area that's, that are not being filled today. Well, and Justina, how should learners decide what type of training best benefits them? Because perhaps, as you said, very important and a lot of folks, thankfully, interested in cybersecurity. But let's assume that a lot of folks listening are saying, well, that's good. And, and I sure hope a lot of people do that. But that's not really what I think I'm interested in. So how do they know? Yeah, so if um, for learners who access our site, you know, skillsbuild.org, they can actually do an assessment that's powered by AI, and it gives them a really great roadmap on what are the types of content they can access and what are the type of skilling and, and training that they should be able to take advantage of. So that's one thing, but also through our partnerships, right? So as we work with Specially Stern Foundation or with the Department of Veterans Affairs and with HBCUs, we have coaches and mentors who can help guide the participants as to what's the right training that makes sense for them based on their goals. But I would urge everyone, whether you have um, a college degree or whether you have a, you know, a high school degree or whether you're currently in a role in the technical field and you just want to explore options right around um, a certificate program that could help you advance, then you could actually go directly on the website. You could do that assessment, and then it will help create a roadmap for you. Oh, that's awesome. And kudos again to you guys for really providing multiple ways of helping folks prepare for a career, particularly involving tech. And I think that's great. And you guys are to be commended for that. Of course, Justina, you're always a delight to chat with and always so informative. So whether it's uh, if you're a student, you're an educator, perhaps you're a job seeker or an organization looking for great qualified people you want to visit skillsbuild.org just like it sounds skillsbuild b-u-i-l-d dot org we'll get you there of course when you visit us at intotomorrow.com vp and global head for corporate social responsibility with ibm justina nixon thank you so much always look forward to getting you back on the show again soon All right. Thank you so much, Dave. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. By all means, and the same. Into Tomorrow continues. I am Dave Graveline. Stay tuned right here on the Advanced Media Network. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. connected with Into Tomorrow by using our free Into Tomorrow app, available in your favorite app store, and you can participate on the program that way, and of course, win prizes. 
when you do. I'm Dave Graveline. This is Into Tomorrow. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by our podcast partner, Blueberry Podcasting. With their advanced podcast hosting plans, you also get a free WordPress site to grow your podcast. Start your free trial at blubrry.com. Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. Time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. History, 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 history. Here's Chris. History. This week back in 1844, Samuel Morse sent the first message via telegraph. The message, What Hath God Wrought?, a quote from the Bible, was sent from a committee room in the U.S. Capitol to his assistant, Alfred Vail, in Maryland. Oh, so it wasn't... Hello, Moto. No, that was a few years later. Oh, okay. Uh, while Samuel Morse did not invent the telegraph, he did develop it, commercialize it, and invent the famous code that now bears his name. Oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. That first message officially inaugurated America's telegraph industry. In 1900 this week, Edwin Vody, who was regarded as a genius of the music world, patented his pianola. I hope I can say that on the radio. I, well, you just did. So <laughs> commonly, known, commonly known as the player piano. Oh. The original pianola was a large wooden cabinet in front of an ordinary piano. At the rear of the cabinet was a row of wooden fingers aligned with the piano keyboard. These fingers were activated by air passing through a roll of paper perforated with holes that determined which note to play. The air was generated by pressing two foot pedals at the base of the pianola. Welcome to the Internet, my friend. How can I help you? No, I don't think it had the Internet on it. No. In 1953, the first 3D cartoon premiered at the Paramount Theater in Hollywood, California. Oh, my. The production, a Walt Disney creation and RKO picture, was titled Melody. It involved an owl teaching his class full of birds about music and melody. The 3D process never really caught on with theater audiences because of the need to wear the polarized glasses. But the show remained a novelty at Disneyland for several years. In 1961 this week, U.S. President John F. Kennedy gave one of his most famous speeches when he announced before a special joint session of Congress his goal to initiate a project to, before the end of the decade, put a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth. Cool. The goal was realized eight years later in 1969 with the Apollo 11 mission. All systems are functioning within normal parameters. In 1985, GTE, General Telephone and Electronics, was named by Fortune magazine as the largest utility in the U.S. GTE was founded in 1934 and provided telephone service to a large number of areas in the U.S. In 2000, GTE was acquired by Bell Atlantic, one of the regional operating companies formed after the breakup of the Bell system. After the acquisition, the combined company changed its name and became Verizon. Oh, okay, so that's where they came from. Uh Uh And this week in 2012, the SpaceX Dragon became the first commercial spacecraft to rendezvous with the International Space Station. Before this, only four governments, the U.S., Russia, Japan, and the European Space Agency, had accomplished this feat. SpaceX began developing the Dragon spacecraft in late 2004. Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX, reportedly named the spacecraft after the 1963 song Puff the Magic Dragon by Peter, Paul, and Mary as a response to critics who considered his spaceflight projects impossible. Hi there, James Doohan here. For the latest in consumer electronics and technology, I listen to Dave Graveline as he brings me into tomorrow. Well, of course, he used to listen. Right. Yeah. Well, he's listening now in space heaven. Yes. That's our look back at this week in tech history brought to you by IFA in Berlin. Tech is back at the most significant trade show for consumer tech and home appliances. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And, of course, visit us at intotomorrow.com. Do you 
take a lot of medicine or take care of someone that does? Hero is the new smart device that makes life easier by pre-sorting a 90-day supply of up to 10 different pills. Just pour them in and Hero does the rest. So easy to use and saves me so much time. I never miss a dose. I'm never late for a dose anymore. And that is so critical to me. What I like best about my Hero is that it's so easy to set up and it's so easy to use. And I don't have to worry about my pills or get distracted and forget, did I take that pill or not? Because it reminds me. It alerts and dispenses with the push of a button. Plus, Hero sends a friendly alert to you and a caregiver. Hero is amazing. But you could even live out of state with the person and still program their Hero from the convenience of your phone. I feel better than I have ever felt simply because I have this device. Try Hero risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, you don't keep it. Call 800-613-2715. That's 800-613-2715. 800-613-2715. Call now. Dave Graveline welcoming you back into tomorrow with a little tech tidbit. The original Xbox home screen contained edited snippets of actual transmissions from the Apollo missions. Did you know that? I did. Oh, because but, I'm the tech history guy. Oh, that's true. But you didn't have an Xbox. No. So that that's the only way you knew is because of tech history. Right. And it was probably a cost-saving uh, thing by Microsoft because it was all in the public domain. They didn't have to pay for it. That's true. And that's, <laughs> that's a good point, but very valid. Yep. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys, streaming media solutions for the smartest businesses on the Internet. Visit StreamGuys.com. So Pam used the Ask Dave button at IntoTomorrow.com, but didn't tell us where she's participating from or how she listens. Tisk tisk. Please be sure and do that if you use the Ask Dave button at IntoTomorrow.com. But Pam, welcome. What is the best security program to use in a... HP Chromebook. Wow. Well, the answer, Pam, is none. Chromebooks don't run external software except for Android apps. Android apps are what they call sandboxed, so they're useless for security. That leaves you with the option of just running something that runs on the browser itself. But that would also be pretty much useless for a Chromebook. Yeah, Chromebooks are sold to be automatically updated when a new vulnerability is found. They barely store any local data, and no real software can be added to them. So they are, by design, safer devices than other computers. Just make sure that your Chromebook is updated and don't fall for phishing scams, and you should be reasonably secure. Yeah. Good question, though, Pam. Thank you for sharing that with us. Joe, who says he's in the United States and <laughs> listens on AM 920, The Answer, so we're going to assume perhaps he's in the general Atlanta area, sends the following email. He says, I use an app downloaded to my Fire Stick and phone that gives me all the programs I've ever wanted. If it's on any paid subscription, I have it. Sports, all of it. Canada channels, all of it. I pay them $25 a month. Uh, so my research, if they're pirates, it's them. I pay them. I don't know how they do it. I was <laughs> tired of being ripped off by all the other companies. Am I a pirate? What's your opinion? Wow. Well, Joe, yes, you most likely are a pirate. And if anyone decides to come after you, which is not super likely, but it could happen, they won't care what you're paying. The number of people doing this won't help you much either. There are countless music and movie pirates that still get sued by record companies and movie studios regularly. So if the app you're using gets popular enough, 
they could still come after you. Yeah, you might want to look into masking your use from your ISP, your internet service provider. That's typically how pirates are found out. Uh, we won't tell you how, though. That's illegal, too. Yeah, but you can search it. Intotomorrow.com for more.